Morrison boys. You heard us say it this morning. It's something my sons and I, we say it all the time. Morrison boys. Anything happens, Morrison boys. They annoy their mama to the point where she snaps and she's just like, would you stop it? Morrison boys is their reaction to her. They do it all the time. I don't, it's just something I said one time, but it's stuck. They love it. They feel like we're just our own little club, right? Nobody else can be a Morrison boy. It's us. I can remember being in the, in the hospital room holding my newborn baby Sam with Max on my lap. And I said, Max, how many girls are in the family? There's two. How many boys are there? Yeah, we got them outnumbered. That's right. And don't you forget it. But we say it all the time, and it's just something that, that has stuck. We are the Morrison boys. But the other day, my, my three-year-old son, Sam, you saw him up here. He was playing in the kitchen. I was getting ready to leave, and, and he was holding this electric blanket. And he was standing right next to this outlet. And he was, I said, Sam, I said, don't plug that blanket in. Don't bother the outlet. You know you're not supposed to be messing with those. So I went into the other room and put my shoes on. I come back in, and it was plugged in. I said, Sam, did you plug that electric blanket in? For some reason, he starts, if he ever gets older and plays poker with me, I know what his tail is. He blinks real hard and real heavy. I said, Sam, did you plug that electric blanket in? I said, Sam, you're going to be in trouble for plugging it in because I told you not to. But you're going to be even more trouble if you lie to me. So tell me, did you plug that electric blanket in? <laughs> so Sam got in trouble. He got in big trouble. And so I set him on the couch and I said, look, I don't, I don't, like to punish you. I don't want you to be in trouble. You're my son. I don't want, I don't, that's not what I want. I said, I, that's not what I want. And then I had to leave. And, and as I'm walking out the door, I hear, and I went, I turned back around. He goes, Orson, boys. I went, Morrison boys. I said, Morrison boys, don't lie to each other. But I wanted my son to know that unconditionally, he could plug that sucker in 10,000 times. He's still my son. I still love him. I will unconditionally love him for the rest of his life. Forever and ever and ever. And he knows that. But I want him to be unconditionally conditioned to where there's no doubt about it. His natural state is to know no matter what I do, I can tell my dad. Because he loves me. I, 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 I want him to know that with every fiber of my being. And I want to make sure that we as God's sons and daughters know that. That no matter what we do, no matter what we do, we have been unconditionally conditioned to know, not hope, not pray, 
know that God loves us and no matter where we go, no matter what choice we make, we can turn and go, I, I, I love, uh, uh, you, you, ooh. And God is going to stop right there and go, I, I love you too. I love you too. We've just left a series where we talked about the goody two-shoes Job, always doing stuff right, reacting the right way. Ooh. Tears go down, hands go up. Yeah, 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 I get it, show off. But what happens if we don't react the way we should? What if, what if something happens and, 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 and we don't react the way we should? And as a matter of fact, we react the opposite way. What happens then? Will God still love us? Will he still, will he still adore us? Will he still want, want us to belong to him? And the answer is absolutely. 100%. No matter what. It's great that Job reacted that way, that, that God was glorified in that. But God is in the bad reactions too. He's in the bad choices. He's in the bad moments because that's who brings us out of them. And so if you don't care, if we can stand for the reading of God's word this morning, we're in a, a story that we sometimes try to avoid, but not today, Satan. 2 Samuel chapter 11. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the, the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And so David sent messengers and took her and she came to him and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house and the woman conceived and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. Father God in heaven, I pray today that you illuminate what you would have us to see. You speak directly to our hearts this morning and allow us to receive exactly what it is that you would have us to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This is who we're talking about, right? David. You've heard of him, right? David. David. I mean, the giant slayer, David, the man of, of, of incredible faith, the man that was chosen, the line of David, the man that was chosen to lead and, and be the, the king. I mean, he's a big deal, David. But this is the story that we're talking about today. Preacher, what are we doing? Everybody struggles. Everybody even David. We talk so much about what David has done in his life. We talk so much about the amazing stories and the amazing things and the amazing abilities and, 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 and just what he did. The one that wrote the Psalms. Come on, man. David. David. But yet, David 
took a woman that was not his wife, laid with her. She became pregnant. And he didn't stop there. He didn't fess up there and go, you know what? I have messed up. Let me go to Uriah. Let me fix this. No, he ended up having Uriah murdered. Murdered. He doubled down on it. And there's been times where, where I'm just like, are, are they sure that was David? David. That didn't sound like David. That didn't sound like something he would do. But yet, this is just as much, if not the most important story of David's life, in my opinion. The redemption story of David. Because when everything's on top and everything's going well, that's not the time where it's like, you know what? God is really working on me right now. I, you know, I just have nothing to worry about. Nothing's going on. Nothing's wrong. Everything's okay. No, it's the times where I get to really show God glory whenever I'm like, dude, I have messed up completely. I'm not where I need to be. I'm not who I need to be. But you know what? God is still God. He's still in control. He's still on the throne, and he's working on me. He's working. He's working. Now, this is, this is exactly a part of the history of David, so much so that the chroniclers of the kings, when they wrote about his life, this is what they said in 1 Kings 15, 5. Because David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Except in that one thing where he, you know, you know. The chroniclers of the king, the history of the kings that they wrote talked about how wonderful David listened and was for his whole life. Except that, that, that thing, you know. But it was worth writing down because it's worth talking about how good God is. We all struggle with certain things. We all have certain things that it's just, you know what, that's my thing. I, I struggle with this or I struggle with this. And, and, and so often we, we just attribute to those to generational curses. You know what, my daddy was an alcoholic. My, my daddy's daddy was an alcoholic. And that's just, that's just who I am. I, I can't help it. It's just who I am. Man, my anger, my dad had a short temper and, and I've got a short temper. That's just who I am. You know, I, I just go crazy sometimes. I've heard people talk about it like it's, a, it's just my thing, man. It's what I do. Oh, is it? Is it? Generational curses. And we, we shy away from those generational curses so much. We don't want to talk about what we struggle with. But we definitely don't want to talk about what our families struggle with. This is the line of David. Jesus' line. Jesus had prostitute great-great-great-grandmother. David. Jesus had to break generational curses. And so do we. Those things traveled through the line of David until they got to Jesus and they stopped. They stopped right there. 
And it's the same thing with us. We can have them affect our, our daddies and our great granddaddies, our mamas, and then all of a sudden they can stop right with us. You know why? Because Jesus, that's why. They stop when they get to Jesus. And if you have Jesus when they get to you, guess what? They stop because there's no more room for them. When we accept Jesus and we have Jesus in us, there's no room for anything else. They have to go. No, you don't understand. There's no room for you to dwell here because Jesus is living and dwelling within me. There's no room for a generational curse. I'm not affected or plagued by that anymore. Ever, ever, ever again. Because Jesus. The example is so important of David. David. You can never go to church and you're like, yeah, I've heard of Jesus, uh, Moses, and David, right? Those are people who, y'all talk about them? Yeah, those are people in the church stuff. I've heard about them. Didn't David like throw a rock or something? Like we've heard about him, but we don't talk about the story. We don't talk about the story nearly enough because it's by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony that we have defeated the enemy of God. It's by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony that we have defeated the enemy the things that he has saved us from, the places that he's drawn us out of. There is so often, so often I just kick myself all the time and I'm just, I'm just walking around looking at my life going, I, I don't deserve, I don't deserve you. I don't deserve you, God. I just don't, I, I, I don't deserve you. And God goes, yeah, you're right. You don't, but I still love you. I still love you. And there's nothing you could do to change it. You can plug in that electric blanket 10,000 times. And I've come to this altar with those things on my mind just going, I am so stupid. So stupid. And I come to this altar and go, I, 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 love, I, I love you. And my father in heaven goes, I love you too. I love you too, baby. I love you. Every, every time. There's never been a time that I have come to the altar of God and been like, God, that he's been like, what? He's been like, I love you. I already know. Don't even worry about it. I knew. I saw it when it happened. Come here. I love you. I love you. Unconditionally conditioned. Extraordinary love. That's our God. That's our God. There's, there's more and more and more to be had from the grace of God. But so often when we mess up, when we do those, those dumb things, and, and what your thing is is different than your thing, and what your thing is is different than my thing, we have things where we mess up. But when we mess up and we cause that separation between us and God, and we, we feel that space kind of lengthen and then all of a sudden we go, oh, I'm so dumb, I'm so dumb, I'm so stupid. Then we just keep going further. That's the opposite that we need to do. 
We can't just go, oh, no, what? I'll mm, stop praying. I'll just, oh, no, I'll just, I can't faith. No, we run to the altar of God. We run to his arms. We run to who he is. Because as soon as we try to compound on that issue and add more to it, we just get further and further and further from God, telling ourselves we're so stupid. We're so stupid. And the enemy just sits there and goes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, keep, yeah. Keep saying that. Beat yourself up so I don't have to. Make it harder on yourself so I can kick you when you get down. The things that have happened to us or that we've happened to other people, that we sit there and we tell ourselves, you know what, that was the one. That's the one that, that's going to make God not love me anymore. That's, that's, the, that's the line that I crossed that God won't love me after this is a lie from the devil himself. It's a lie. Because your father is sitting there going, come here. It's okay. It's okay. I love you. So they wrote about in humankind, they, the, the, the chroniclers wrote, yeah, David was right in the ways of the Lord, didn't turn aside from anything he commanded him all the days of his life, except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Are people going to forget about the things that you have done? No. Nah. <laughs> no. Most definitely not. People like to remember those things. Facebook, did you see what so-and-so did the other day? Oh. Did you hear about blah, blah, blah? You know, I, I, still ha I still tell people that I used to know, yeah, I'm a pastor now. And they go, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. God's funny, ain't he? And they say, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah. And I hear them talk to people. Yeah, but he, he was not a nice guy. I'm like, yeah, I wasn't. People try to remember those things. People try to remember and, and, and remind you of those things. But God reminds you of who he is every single time. And then you remember, oh yeah, I was that. But that's what I was saved from. That's the darkness that was there so I can see how light the light is now. That's how bad I felt to see how good I feel now knowing that his grace is sufficient, that he loves me, that, that I'm surrounded by him, that I love him and he loves me, that I felt like I didn't belong to anything, but I know that I belong to him now. That's, that's how it works. Go ahead. Bring that stuff up. It doesn't matter anymore. The people of God, the chroniclers of the king, wrote that David was really good, except for that one thing. You know what God said about David? God said he was a man after his own heart. That's what God said about David. God said he was didn't, God didn't say, hi, he was pretty good for most of the time, except for that one thing. You remember that one thing? Uh, I remember. No, God said, he's a man after my own heart. Everybody on the planet can call me every name that they ever want to. But if God sits there and tells me that I'm a man after his own heart, that's the only thing that matters. That's the only thing. That's, I don't, that's the only thing. 
And there's been so much happened so often where, where you just go, you know what, I, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve you. I, I'm, I'm not kidding. There's times in my life where I need to be reminded that I, I, I'm, I, I, I'm not that smart, okay? I'm not. But there's times where I need to be reminded. There's, there's 10 times a day where I stop. I, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. I stop and I go, are you sure you love me? How? How, how? how could you love me? Are you sure? And every time, every time God's like, oh yeah, I love you so much. I'll see you in 30 minutes when you ask me again. I'll be right here. I love you. And then 30 minutes goes by and I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, "Mm mm-hmm. Every time, it's my day. That's, that's, That's my praying without ceasing. My praying without ceasing is just like, you sure? Yep, still sure. Okay, cool. How about now? Yep, still. Still love you. Still love you. Still love you. Always will. Always have. Always will, always have. I stand in my house sometimes, and, and it hits me like, like a ton of bricks. I'll just be standing in my house. I'm just like, look at my kids. Oh my gosh, look at them. They're, oh, look at look at my wife. Look at look at this. Look at this house. Look at the dog. This is this is just I love. I just love. I just, look, I just, oh, I was, I was just amazed. I'm amazed by you. I'm, I'm amazed. I, I, I love you. And he goes, I love you too. I go, I don't deserve any of this. And he's like, yeah, you're right. I still love you. I love you more. And more all the time. It blows me away. And it doesn't matter what you think about yourself. It doesn't matter whether you think you deserve his love or you don't deserve his love. Or whether you need to earn it or whether you'll never be able to earn it. Or whether you're good enough or smart enough or what. It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. Your, your thoughts and opinions about yourself does not matter. The only thing that matters It's the way that God views, thinks, and loves you. And the devil will try to tell you the opposite of those things. But I'm here to tell you that he's telling you, and I know you can hear him. Whether you're close or far away, just going, I love you. (laughs) Hey, I love you. I I I love you. Yeah, but I didn't react right. Still love you. Hey, I reacted right. Good, I love you. Hey, I reacted really badly. Still love you. Unconditionally conditioned to know, not hope, know. And wherever I go and whatever I do, no matter where I go or where my life takes me, I'm walking in the promise knowing my dad loves me so much. There's nothing that can touch me. There's nothing that can harm me. There's nothing that anybody can say because that fact doesn't change. He loves you, whether you're Job or whether you're David. David on a good day, David on a bad day. Have you ever heard of the retirement syndrome? 
The retirement syndrome, St. George the Dragon Slayer. What that is, is, is this guy, it's a story. He, he, he went out and he slayed the dragon for his town, right? And all the town and all the villagers were just like, oh, the dragon slayer. And he was like raising the roof and like, you know, he was like feeling really good about himself. He was the, the dragon slayer. There was this one dragon. So he, he slayed this dragon and he goes back. He goes and he sits in his big chair and, and he's sitting there and he's relaxing. He's like, man, I'm the dragon slayer. And time goes by and he just gets restless. He's got that uneasy feeling. He's, something's, something's not right. And he looks out the window and there's a bunch of little dragons outside. So he runs outside and he slays all these little dragons. And he goes back to the house and he goes, man, I slayed all those little dragons. But really the little dragons were just a bunch of sheep in a field. They come and they try to have a dinner party to, to celebrate him for slaying the original dragon. And he, he goes to the dinner party and he's like, Something's not right. I'm, I'm uneasy again. I, all of y'all are dragons, aren't you? They're like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> no, man, this is a party. We're, we're trying to celebrate you. And he's like, yeah, that's what a dragon would say. And he kills everybody. You see, the retirement syndrome is, is where you don't have a focus where you don't have something that, that, is, that is on your mind, like David on the time, that, that, the, the time when kings are supposed to be going out to battle and he just stayed home and he didn't have a real conflict in his life. He made one up. He self-sabotaged. You ever done that? Oh, I have. Things are going too well. Things are going too right. I am too blessed right now. I am doing too well. I need to cause some problems. but I do it all the time. I don't have a focus. I'm not not focused on who it is that I should be fighting, so I start fighting everything and everybody else. And I cause problems, just cause problems, just to have that conflict, to have that thing, to have that battle, because there's something in us that we just, we get uneasy and we, we, we just go. So the time where he was supposed to be doing what he was supposed to be doing, he wasn't. And so he was at home in idle hands. Idle hands are the devil's plaything. So no matter what, no matter where, no matter what's going on, whether you react in holy and righteousness or you react in sinful debauchery. God loves you. He loves you. And, and that's, that's a problem for some people. Some people, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. You mean to tell me that I could spit in the face of God, that I can do the opposite of what he tells me to, that I could run as far away from him as I possibly can, and you're going to tell me that God just still goes, I love you? Yeah! That's why he's God! Because he loves us in a way that we couldn't love ourselves. He loves us in a way that we couldn't love people. He loves us in a way that we can't love. He, we, we can't. We can't comprehend it. We can't understand it. We, it's, it's so mind-blowing. But he's the only one that can. He's the only one that can. So in that moment where you have just felt like you're just the lowest 
piece of garbage and you, you'll never be able to do it again. You just, you just can't figure it out. You just, it's, just, it's just darkness. I just can't do it. I, just, I can't figure it out. God goes, I know. I know. I knew you couldn't do it. That's why I did it for you. That's why I paid the price. That's why I died on the cross for you so that you wouldn't have to. He knows. He knows. David. Yes, even David. David, the one who wrote the Psalms. Here's a psalm that was written after the incidents with Bathsheba. Psalm 32. I encourage you to read the whole thing. But in verse 10 and 11, it says, Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord. And rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy. All you upright in heart. David needed forgiveness. He needed mercy. He needed the grace of God. And many are the sorrows of the wicked. He's saying, I've been there. I know what it's like when you're in that sinful life and it just is terrible. It's full of sorrow. It's full of pain. Just feeling homesick all the time. And you don't know why. But steadfast love, unconditional love, surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Surrounds. Eve, every side, below, above, all sur- like sur- sur- surrounded. So his, his love surrounds you when you trust in the Lord. That means there's no angle that the enemy can get to you. There's no crack that he can get through. There's nowhere that he can get to you because you're surrounded by the love of God. Do you deserve God's love? No. Could you ever earn it in a million, million years? No. But do you still yearn and need it? Yes. Will he ever stop loving you? No. I'm telling you, I've I've knelt right here. My tears have stained this floor more times than I can count. And all I, I, all I could get out was just, I, I, I love you. And he's going, I love you too. I love you too. If you've never felt that love and belonging and peace of God, do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. Don't leave here. Don't leave here until you know it, until you felt it, to know that you belong.
to know that there's no way that you could get away. There's no way you could run. There's nothing you could do that he'll stop loving you. Because I guarantee you the worst thing that you've ever done was still nowhere near. Nowhere near making God go, you know what? I'm done with that one. (laughs) It's not even a thought. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. You.